Wonderful to pray together. Wonderful to be together. So I had a, a little bit of a wild week. Amy and I just got back into town last night about 10 o'clock, and uh, we were in Atlanta uh, at a prayer conference and praying for revival and praying for God to work. And um, I don't know if any of you have followed what's been happening at Asbury College this week. Uh, there's been like some real revival stuff kind of breaking out there, and that was sort of interesting, praying for revival and then hearing from people saying, hey, we got some revival things happening, just repentance stuff and salvation stuff, healing, uh, just real manifestations of the, the Lord's work. And so when you're in the middle of praying for that uh, and then hearing that that's happened, it makes you pray all the more, you know, and that we serve a God who can be in all places at one time and singing about our church here. And I think all of us that were praying in Atlanta were saying, Lord, be, be with our hometowns, be with our home churches and, and work your revival there as well. And so to the extent that the Lord is doing that in us and will do that in us, we are delighted uh, to welcome his presence and to welcome his word in our lives. Um, today, uh, the message, so we've been going through this series, we just started on generosity and generous living, and this is an interesting message today, because on one hand, uh, it's very basic. I really just want to wrestle a little bit with the question around tithing, uh, which I know some of you are like, great, this sounds awesome. Um, but where I think it actually allows us to go, it, it's sort of a doorway into a like infinitely bigger question uh, and the infinitely bigger question is like what does it actually mean to die to self and to live for Christ you know and so if you can kind of follow my lead in getting us there today uh, I think that that's where God wants us to land so while I think we'll have some good discussion uh, around the, the first part uh, where God I think is desiring for us to land is in the second part and so uh, I'm excited to see where he will take us. So in this series on generous living, uh, we've been talking about some stewardship, basically saying this is an unapologetic look uh, at the idea of, of what does it mean to be kingdom people, even in this area that I think at first glance feels very personal, uh, very close to our heart, uh, very like kind of don't mess with my business kind of, right, kind of stuff when it comes to money. Um, and yet, unapologetically, Jesus goes after all the parts in our life. And so I would just suggest to you today to receive that, embrace it, embrace the, the tension of walking it out, because I think he has really good stuff for us in this area. So here's my favorite little fun story in the area of uh, finances, stewardship, and generous giving. So there's a, a local uh, charity office that's doing research in their community and they're finding out kind of who's giving in different ways and they come across one of the wealthiest people in the community uh, not giving anything according to their records to local charity and so this one ambitious young uh, representative says I'm gonna go to his house I'm gonna plead my case and I'm gonna kinda land the big fish for our charity so she goes up she knocks on the door uh, the man comes he's a lawyer comes to the door and you know says hello and she says sir We've got a great opportunity for you because we noticed in our research that though you have a handsome salary and a, and a very thriving business, we're so glad you're part of this community, uh, but we noticed that you really don't give much of anything to charity. And so I want to come with an opportunity. Wouldn't you like to give back to your community and make an investment? She's very excited about her presentation. And the man looks her over and says, so you've done research. He says, yes. He says, did, 
your research reveal that my mother is dying after a long illness. And now she goes a little on her heels, like, I, I didn't know that, I'm, I'm sorry. But before she can say anything, he interrupts again. Did your research reveal that my brother is a disabled veteran? He's blind and confined to a wheelchair. And now she's getting a little uncomfortable. Well, I, I guess I didn't. Uh, did your research reveal that my sister's husband died in a traffic accident, leaving her penniless with three children? And now this, she's just like lost. She's, uh, I'm sorry, I didn't. He interrupts her again and says, and if I didn't give money to any of them, what makes you think I would want to give any money to you? You were just about to feel bad for him, weren't you? So we said last week in this area of generosity, you know, nobody's arguing the idea that, that God would want us to be generous people. Like, you don't want to be that guy, to have so much and to be ungrateful to such an uh, obvious extent. In fact, we said last week as well, when you think about the next generation, nobody says, I'm hoping that my kids grow up stingy. You know, I hope that my, my kids grow up selfish. You know, we have a desire and ingrained hope for generosity, and we're inspired by generosity when we see it. Today, uh, I want to just do a, a couple things of review. We said last week that generosity begins in your heart, not your wallet, not your bank account, not your investment strategy, but also looking at the words of Jesus that Jesus Christ said this, you cannot serve both God and money. You can't. So when, when, when I hear things that are biblical, I take note. When I hear things that are from the mouth of Jesus, recorded from him, I take special note. And especially when he's saying, let me help you understand the parameters around your relationship with God himself. You can't serve both God and money. You're going to grow in one and diminish in the other. Or you're going to diminish in one and grow in the other, but it's not going to be the same thing. There is a converse relationship there. So we take note of that. Uh, the other thing I want to note with you uh, is, uh, first of all, we're going to look at Proverbs today. We're going to start in Proverbs 3, and I do not have anything on the screen for you today. Uh, I am, because I got in late last night, I decided I'm, not, I'm just not even going to do a little PowerPoint presentation for you like I normally do. I am literally preaching like Jesus today no PowerPoint. I said that in the first service and nobody laughed at all. So I just want to say thank you. I already liked you better. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Seth is like, dude, what are you saying? Um, uh, yeah, I'm going to get emails. Not if, you, not if you don't tell them. Not if you don't say that. Um, what was I saying? Oh, yeah, okay, so, so no PowerPoint. That's what I was trying to say. There's no PowerPoint. So don't, don't look on the screen today. If you have your Bible, flip your Bible to, to, to Proverbs chapter 3. Uh, we're going to be looking in the first 12 verses today, but I'm going to pick up in verse 5. So, and it's a passage that you're probably pretty familiar with, some of you. Um, while you're turning there, so let me remind you of another thing we talked about last week. This is, this is really important that you hear this. Um, the, the angst or anxiety that can emerge when you talk about money is that it does feel like someone's messing with your business, right? And so I want to make sure I'm really clear when we talk about stewardship and healthy stewardship in the body of Christ, 
Where we can get skeptical is where you say this. You say, okay, you're talking about my life is going to be good for me. Uh, you want me to be more faithful and more generous and all those kind of things for me. But then when it all kind of shakes out, what you're really talking about is how is the bottom line of the church doing, which is a different thing. And I want to make sure I'm actually being really clear with this. That when we talk about financial stewardship, one of the lenses is we want you to be generous. As your pastor, speaking for the heart of God as much as I can get my mind and my heart around it, I think God wants you to be generous and to be good stewards. I think that is good for you. At the same time, when we exercise individual good stewardship, the collective impact is that you do have a church that will be fully funded to the extent God wants it to be and missionally uninhibited. So when you hear that, I hear me saying that, it is both of those things that happen. In fact, it's both of those things and one more. The other one, we said this last week, is that you look through the missional lens, what happens when the world that is not part of the ecclesia, the, the called out ones, the disciples of Christ, see generosity in your life or see generosity in your life and in your church. And so you're doing things that impact the community and making uh, an impact for those that don't have as much, etc. The world takes notice, and so you kind of get a, a triple win. You are more generous, your church is more fully uh, missionally uninhibited, and the world sees generosity in you. So I, I just want to make sure we are talking about all three of those things. It's not, it's not a, a bait and switch that I'm trying to trick you with one to get to the other. Does that make sense? And just nod your head if that makes sense. Okay, we're talking about all three of those things. We want you to be a part of that. Uh, Proverbs 3 uh, talks, this is really a, a beautiful passage. You can hear the heart uh, of a father to a son trying to impart wisdom, saying, don't miss my teaching. You know, this, this is going to be helpful to you. This is going to be a blessing to you. you. You may be tempted to miss it or run by it, uh, but don't. This will prolong your life many years. And he's saying things like, let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. And then verse 5, this is where we're going to pick up today. Verse 5 of Proverbs 3 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to Him and He will make your paths straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body, nourishment to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. And your barns will be filled to overflowing. Your vats will brim over with new wine. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline and do not resent his rebuke because the Lord disciplines those he loves as a father, the son that he delights in. Man, there's a lot to that. Like if you just, if you just go through and and just listen to the, the words of Scripture and the heart that's coming. You know, don't be wise in my own eyes. If there's a passage that I would take you to when you are 18, 19, 20 years old, uh, old enough to start to be kind of out and on your own and, and starting to make your own decisions and you're making your mistakes and you're learning from those mistakes and you're, you're gaining wisdom as you grow, uh, I would take you to Proverbs 3 and I would just say, write this on your heart, all of it. And I find it fascinating that it ends with this idea of don't 
like when, when the Lord brings discipline, don't resent that, don't resist that, because discipline is actually the thing that's going to take you to a healthier level. It's the, it's the thing in the beginning that is, is hard to do, uh, it's not easy, it's not, it's not fun necessarily, but there is a benefit that's coming on the other side. And you know this to be true. Any of you that has, have made an effort to get in shape or to learn a new skill or to, to start a new habit or whatever, there's always that kind of startup that is difficult, but then when you actually start to hit a stride and you start to become proficient, you start to learn and grow, you find yourself saying, I'm, I'm glad I did this. I'm glad I did this. How many of you have had that experience? Discipline leading to a place where you said, I'm actually glad I did this. So you know, okay, you know what that's like. Uh, do not despise the Lord's discipline or resent his rebuke. Um, okay, so yeah, we talked last week about th- these, this is one of the issues. There's probably several we could look at, but this is one of those issues that goes deep to the human heart. So adjustments, y- you feel those adjustments in a pretty profound way. I also think that if this is in fact part of discipleship, and we say we're gonna be unapologetic and say uh, that stewardship is a part of discipleship, if that is the case, then it is also a spiritual battle. You have an enemy who wants to steal, kill, and destroy. You've got Jesus trying to lead you into the abundant life. And so there's a spiritual battle around this as well as any place where you're uh, called to grow as a disciple. Uh, okay, so, so here's the question. Let me, let me start with Proverbs 3 and, and just put a very simple question before you that we will unpack for a good portion of this message today. The question is this. Should Christians tithe? That's the question. Should Christians tithe? Not everybody that is here uh, identifies as a Christian. Uh, The majority of us probably do. So if that's you, and we're talking about you as a Christ follower... Should you tithe? What, what is a tithe? Uh, tithe is not actually hard to con- uh, get your mind around, but in case you don't know, tithe is essentially saying, I'm going to take 10% uh, of my uh, earnings, of what, what I am entrusted with, and I'm going to give it back to God, and I'm going to live on the other 90%. Okay, now the funny thing about this question is, that's what a tithe is. The funny thing about the question is, I guarantee there's people that are in this room that are like, seriously, that's an easy, yes, we should tithe, and you know, go on to the next subject. You know, For you, it's just question's over. Uh, there are others who would say that, that sort of financial strategy sounds about as realistic as me saying, should Christians live on the moon? You know, I mean, it's just like, there's no way I would actually do that. And the majority of Christians don't tithe. Okay, so it, I mean, the, the proof is kind of in the pudding around that. So we, we kind of, we wrestle with it. There are others that would say, no, I've thought about this question a lot at times, and I think of tithing, that's an Old Testament, Old Covenant kind of practice uh, that was helpful for the people of God, but you get into the New Testament and the New Covenant, and we're New Covenant people, so we're not bound by Old Covenant practice. There's a lot of Old Covenant practice that we don't do, and so maybe tithe is one of them, and we're released from it. And then others would say that may be true. However, when you get to New Covenant and New Testament practice, it seems like Jesus actually elevates a lot of the expectation, you know, he says, you've heard it said, don't have, uh, don't, don't murder, but I would say, don't even be angry in your heart. Uh, I, you've heard it said, don't commit adultery, but I say, don't, don't even have lust in your heart. Uh, so w- what do we do with that? And the idea that, that giving uh, almost becomes like all in, not just 10% in the new covenant. So it's a little bit of a complicated question, just to acknowledge. What I would like to do is, 
when it, whenever you look at a question that is, that is somewhat complicated and you try to say, um, does God's word have anything for me on this? That's a, that's a good question to ask. You know, you're, and, and again, God's word doesn't always read that way that you just type in your question and it's like spits out the answer. But you can do the study and you can say like, does this particular subject, does God's word speak to my life in any way? And as a disciple of Christ, I mean, one of the, one of the key questions that we should be asking, and it doesn't matter if you're 13 or 14 or 93, is like, is, do I see God's word as being authoritative over my life? You know, that, that's a key sort of discipleship question. You, gotta, you have to wrestle with that, and so I, I invite you to do that. So I was thinking about this a little bit. Like, here's a question. Should Christians tithe, specifically live off of 90% of what is entrusted to us and give 10% back to God? Should we do that? When we ask a question like, is that, does God's word say anything about it? There's a lot that God's word does say about it, so we can check that box and say, okay, what does it actually say? Um, I was kind of thinking about this illustration just to maybe think of it in a different, uh, different light for a moment. Uh, what if it wasn't tithing we were talking about? We were, we were just talking about something else. And if I would say, like, should Christians um, jog? But first, it's just a question. Just a, you wrestle with the question. Should Christians jog? Is there a case one way or the other? I would immediately probably go to Proverbs, I think it's 28, uh, only the evil run when no one pursues. Uh, just, Yeah. You've heard that before, probably. Um, but, like, you wrestle with the question, does, does God's word say anything about this, you know? And so, here's the thing that's kind of interesting. If you just take that as sort of a non-threatening question at this point and just set it there, you say, well, is there anything in the Old Testament about it? Is there anything in the New Testament about it? Anything in the law? Anything in the wisdom literature? Anything in the epistles? Anything in the gospels, etc.? Um, what I'm going to do, and I think I can do this in, in a space of a handful of minutes, I don't think it has to be a really long time, is I essentially want to say, what does the biblical text say about tithing? Not, not just generosity, because we all agree. How many of you agree we, we should be generous people? Just raise your hand. Okay, we all agree with that. No, nobody's saying, no, I'm anti-generosity. If, if you're anti-generosity, I'd be fascinated to find out why. We'll, we'll pray for you. Um, Nobody's anti-generosity, but the question about should Christians tithe, you know, we wrestle with that. Here's, here's what you would see as you look at a couple things in Scripture. Uh, first, mention of tithing. Uh, so we're, we're asking the question, is, is tithing a way to get to generosity? First mention of tithing is Abram. And in Genesis 14, way back in the beginning, um, he, does, he wins this big battle and it says there's this kind of mysterious figure whose name is Melchizedek. He says there's a priest of the Most High God, and he comes out and he blesses Abram. Um, and Abram has all of this loot that he's just gotten from winning this big battle, uh, a battle that he didn't pick, by the way. So he was, he was defending his family, and he, he has all this loot. And then it says that Abram took 10% of it and gave it as a tithe to the Most High God, and he gave it through this Melchizedek priest. Interestingly, Hebrews talks about Melchizedek and says that Jesus was a priest in the order of Melchizedek. And there's sort of theological debate, like, who was this guy? Was this like a, a forerunner to Christ or an image of Christ in the Old Testament, et cetera, whatever? It doesn't really matter for this discussion today, but we see this first act of generosity through the tithe was with Abram. We see this similarly with Jacob, who basically says, if God's going to provide for me, I'm going to give 10% of him. That's in Genesis 28. Uh, we get to Leviticus, uh, the, the law, you know, the the law of the old covenant 
and we read verses like this, uh, Leviticus 27, 30. Um, a tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. Uh, and then similarly, just a couple verses afterwards, the entire tithe of the herd and the flock, every tenth of the animal that passes under the shepherd's rod, is holy to the Lord. And so in the law of the Old Testament, we see tithing also commanded. It's in Exodus and in Numbers and in Deuteronomy as well and various things. We come to uh, wisdom literature like the proverb that we started with today. And among the many pieces of wisdom being passed down is this. Honor the Lord with your wealth with the first fruits. And first fruits is essentially synonymous with that first tenth that is given as a tribute to the Lord. Then your barns will be filled with over, to overflowing. Your vats will brim over with new wine. Now, this introduces an interesting new wrinkle, which is that along with the honoring of the Lord is the blessing that the Lord is going to come. And we said last week, we've got to be really careful in understanding what that means. And in fact, I'll just, just put that out there because it's also true in the next one that I'm going to share with you. Look in the prophetic warnings like Malachi or Amos where, where God is saying through Malachi, uh, you're robbing God because you're not bringing the full tithe into the house. And he says, once you get this right and do this, I'm actually going to throw open the, the floodgates of blessing over you and nations are going to call you blessed. And so again, we've got to wrestle with like, What does that actually mean? Because if you get it wrong and you slip into this sort of prosperity gospel, we talked about that last week, we're not going to go there. That's not, like God does not say, just give the seed a blessing and just get ready because I'm going to pile in all the money that you can handle. You know? And so instead of leading us into a place of giving so that we can become more Christ-like and generous and selfless, prosperity gospel takes us right back into selfish living uh, and, and we use God as a means to an end to, to cash in. Uh, and that's not a Christ-like uh, prospect. So we've got to be very careful. I'm going to actually unpack that a little bit more next week when we talk about obstacles to, to giving, and I'll unpack Malachi a little bit more. So we see this kind of in the prophetic warning. And then let me give you just one other example, because I think this gives us a pretty well-orbed look um, at answering this question, should Christians jog? <laughs> um, should Christians tithe? Uh, this is from Matthew, so this is the words of Jesus, Matthew 23, 23, and it comes in a rebuke to the Pharisees. So here's what he says to the Pharisees, and these guys were good, man, they had the law down, they did the right things, they had all the outward appearance, and here's what Jesus specifically says to them. Woe to you, teachers of the law, and Pharisees, you hypocrites. Why are they hypocrites? You give a tenth of your spices, Mint, dill, and cumin. Uh, the very meticulous things. You're being meticulous about your tithing. It says, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law. Justice, mercy, faithfulness. In other words, here's the thing. This is fascinating. When we ask the question, should Christians tithe? And when some of you go, oh, sure, yeah, we should do that, whatever. Here's what we see in the words of Jesus. That you can be meticulous in your giving meticulous in your tithing and still miss out on the heart of God. 
So here he's got these leaders. They're meticulous in that way, but he says, you've missed out on the deeper things of justice and mercy and everything. And then here's the beautiful truth that was very helpful to me as I kind of grew up sort of thinking or hearing or whatever, just absorbing this idea that tithing's an Old Testament sort of principle. Uh, you know, we don't really do that in the New Testament anymore. Uh, we, we give more or whatever, but it's ironic because we don't give more. You know, that, that's a statistic, statistical reality. But here's what Jesus said. He said, you should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. And people, I heard like people debating about, well, which one's the latter and which one is the former? It doesn't matter. He said, do them both. You should get to the heart and the spirit of the law and practicing justice and mercy and issues in your world that matter to the heart of God. You should try to get your heart around the things that matter to the heart of God and don't neglect the practice of being meticulous in your tithe. But he said, you guys missed the one, you're doing the other, and you're acting like hypocrites. So that's a fascinating reality. So here's, here's what we find. What if the issue was jogging? And it was referenced, commanded, reminded, and encouraged in the Old Covenant, in the wisdom literature, in the prophetic, in the prophetic correctives, in the words of Jesus, and we started with Melchizedek because that was, that was pre-covenant. There wasn't a covenant then. There wasn't really a people yet. So pre-covenant, old covenant, prophetic uh, word, wisdom literature, words of Jesus in the Gospels, what if, that was the, if, if the issue was jogging? Well, here's what I think. I would embrace the discipline of God. Deuteronomy, or, uh, uh, Proverbs chapter 3. It's where we, where we started today. I would embrace the discipline of God and I'd get my running shoes on. I'd make adjustments to my life, to my schedule, to my priorities to follow in obedience if I want to be a disciple of Christ. Now, we're not talking about jogging today. But what do you do in this case where you say, well, we've got something referenced, commanded, reminded, encouraged in pre-law, old covenant, wisdom literature, prophetic correctiveness in the words of Jesus. So here's a, here's a little line from the Gospel Coalition, folks. They said this. Tithing, then, is an obedient thing to do. But we should not think of it as heroic or sacrificial or impressive. Tithing is obedience 101. It's actually entry-level discipleship. When we tithe, we should be thinking, well, this is for starters, and I'll grow from here. So let's tithe. But let's also press boldly in the, into the demanding questions of justice and mercy and faithfulness, trusting and obeying Jesus, no matter what the cost. I think what we're getting at here. I'm, so I'm, I'm putting this point before you. I would love for you to wrestle with this. I would love, because again, there, there's all kinds of things. I know this is going to evoke certain emotions. Some of you are proud of yourselves because you're saying, oh, look at that. I'm doing a good job. You know what I mean? And so the Lord needs to just say, it's not about you, man. You know, don't be proud. Don't be prideful about your giving. Um, others of you are like, I don't know. I don't, I don't like this. This is uncomfortable or whatever. You got you to wrestle with it. Uh, what I hope you do is you take it to your community groups and you take it to your dining room tables and you take it to your roommate discussions and some of you maybe going to have coffee with me and say, let's talk about this. You know, let's figure this out. Um, I think what we can agree on is this, that kingdom investment is the key. Now, there are some questions that come to my mind and I suspect come to yours and I'm going to kind of wrap this up in this part and then I'm going to just do a little bit of just we're going to just do a little bit of dying to self because I think that's where the Lord wants us to end with this whole thing um, one of the questions is this and it's a valid question there's probably somebody who is saying I want to be generous check that box 
I could even see giving 10% of what the Lord has entrusted to me to good kind of kingdom purpose sort of things. I'm not sure that the church is the way or the only way to do that. I think that's actually a valid question. I think that's a question that we should wrestle with. I think it is entirely possible that there are expressions of the church that do not represent the kingdom very well at all. If you find yourself saying, I want to be a kingdom giver, yes. Well, then giving to your church should represent a kingdom investment. And if you are not able to give to your local church as a kingdom investment, the actual honest question I think that you should ask is, why am I attending there? If I'm serious about being a kingdom person. And I realize in saying that, that that may be tearing down some of the old wineskins that we've gotten comfortable with saying, well, no, you give to the church because it's the church. And I would say, I don't think that motivates people to be generous givers. You give to the kingdom. And I hope by God's grace that his bride finds herself in the place that we actually represent the kingdom of God. And then we get the joy of moving forward. So anyway, just want to put that out there. Got a couple more questions we'll address. I want you to remember just a few foundational concepts from last week as you wrestle with this idea, though. Number one, it only hurts to give if you think it's yours. We said that last week, right? As an example to you last week, I gave away a couple of bills in each of the services and said, okay, now I want you to, to just be a blessing to somebody else with those, with those bills that you got. Uh, I gave six bills away. Um, two of them... I understand, I, I know their whereabouts or the direction that they went. Four of them I don't, and that's fine. Uh, the reason that I know is that one of those bills was given back to my wife. So I was like, hey, okay. And then she gave it to somebody else because they were going to a thing, and she said, oh, hey, have a blessing while you're, you're going to this thing. They went to this thing, and there was a call for an offering uh, to support missions, and so they said, well, I'm going to give that uh, $20 bill, and it's going to go overseas to missions. Now, here's a question. Ask me, am I sad that I gave that bill away? Are you sad you gave that bill Thank away? you. <laughs> Thank you. I'm glad that you asked. Not at all. Not at all. You, you see the concept with that? I mean, that's like a, a joy with a joy with a little joy, a little joy, and some teamwork joy, and it, maybe the Lord will use that in some, some sweet way. You see what I mean? Like, there's no pain in that at all. Nothing. And, and you will find that to be true. If you're in a place you say, I, I don't even know where to start, just start with a small act of generosity. And you'll actually find, now here's the thing, the blessing that you get back God, didn't send, God did not mail me an envelope with cash in it, and I'm not asking anybody to do that. Don't do that, okay? The blessing that he's already given me is what I'm describing to you. That's the blessing. Let me tell you about the other one. The other one I gave to a little girl. It's a $20 bill. She heard about a need in our church for a family that's going through a hellacious, horrible challenging, faith-stretching, tear-jerking time. She gave it to her parents because she knew that her parents were going to be praying with that couple going through hell. Parents said, our daughter wants you to have this. Just as a little bright spot in the midst of a really hard time. 
Am I sad that I gave that away? Ask me. Not even a little bit. Do you see what I'm saying? I'm blessed. And she was blessed. And they were blessed. And they were blessed. That is the blessing that we're going after, right? You know, it's, it's, if it brings honor to Jesus and brings, and again, forgive me. I, I, don't, I don't talk about our giving. We don't do that. This is a, this is an, I'm only saying this as an example uh, of something because I think it represents the kind of blessing that we should actually go after. And I'll take that. Lord, thank you. That's a blessing. Okay. Um, it only hurts if you think it's yours. Uh, so here's what I would like to take us to sort of as, a, as a, a wrap up as you wrestle with this. Can you live generously and obey a call to stewardship that would be costly like this? Could you see tithing as a built-in means to bring you into a place of generosity? The question is, how in the world do you get there? How do you get there? And here's why we started our prayer time the way we did. My old nature will never lead me into generosity. Can anybody say amen to that? Yeah, I mean, you know your old nature, right? I mean, the old nature is what steps up because don't, I don't like to talk about it. I don't want to think about this. This is mine. You know what I mean? My old nature is never going to lead me into generosity. That's not the door. When I learn what it is to die to self, I spent a lot of time over this last week, you know, on my knees and praying, praying for you, praying for me, mostly praying for me, praying that, that I would learn what it is to die to self. And God begins to re reveal there's a beauty on the other side of that prayer. Because you die to self, and then the, the life of Christ actually begins to be manifested more in you. That's why, like Romans 7, you, you'll see this all through Scripture. When you start praying, Lord, help me die to self, you're going to see it all through Scripture. Paul says in Romans 7, the things that I want to do, I can't do. That's old, that's old nature. That's old self. I'm going to die to that. Uh, being, living a, in a way that is generous, living in a way that's going to leave a mark of obedience in that, I can't do it. So I've got to die to self. You see, it's fascinating that the, the giving invitation is actually an invitation to, to something way, way deeper. And I would maybe argue way, way better. The new life of Jesus manifested in me as he brings his generous nature to bear in my life. So I want to just challenge you on that. To not to just think about kind of a, some didactic understanding of tithing, what it is and where it shows up in the Bible, but what does it mean actually to die to self? Do some business with the Holy Spirit on that. And then... To, to actually do some dreaming and dreaming bigger of what does that look like to be part of a generous people? That's a fascinating question. And if the statistics are accurate, none of us have actually experienced what it is like to be part of a tithing church. I wonder. I wonder. I wonder a couple of things, actually. I wonder how many leaders are ready to handle that responsibility. Lord, make us humble. Right? But I also wonder, what good could God do through the generosity of people that are making an impact? Maybe, I mean, if, if the statistics are right and two point, people, Christians are giving about 2.5% of their income, what, what would another... Thank you. What, what, what if we could do math even? 
I mean, you see what I'm saying? To dream a little bit bigger. Like, well, I don't know. I don't know. It's an exciting thought. Um, worship team's going to come up here. I'm going I'm to give you just two, I, I think just two, very practical things, especially if you're wrestling with this on any level. Uh, let me, here's two practical things. Okay, number one, um, start small. And what I mean by that is not like, well, I'm not going to tithe until I'm able to. No, start tithing. Tithe while you don't have much to tithe on. That's what I'm talking about. You know, okay? I used to say this to our college students all the time. Start tithing now. You guys have nothing. Tithing is super easy. You got nothing. 10% of nothing is just a, pretty much nothing. You know, it's easy. You know, so start small. And, and just embrace the starting small. Some of you are in a place you can start small. Don't wait till you're rich to figure out how to tithe. You'll never do it. You will never do it. You'll never be able to step into that. That's just start small. Okay, that's number one. The second thing is this. Man, this is where as disciples of Christ, we are empowered by the Spirit of God to follow Him, to lean in, to pray, and, and, and answer, have Him ask, answer questions. Because people go to here. They go, well, should I be tithing on my gross or tithing on my tithe? Should I, what, about, what about giving to missions? What about another thing? Whatever. Ask the Holy Spirit for direction. That's it. Can, nobody said amen to that. I mean, that's, you have that capacity as a follower of Christ. And just be obedient to what he's asking you to do. I know why it's scary to ask, because what if he says he wants more? I mean, that, that's, the, that's why it's scary. I get it. But if you're actually looking for direction, Lord, how, how would you have me have, do that? Just ask. Make that a part of your discipleship. So I want to, that, that's huge. That's, that's worth the whole thing here. You don't have to come to me and say, well, but if I do this, it's going to be, I'm going to tell you, ask the Holy Spirit and just be obedient to what he's telling you to do. All right, there's a whole lot more I could say. My, my voice is getting a little squeaky and excited or whatever, but that's what I'm talking about. Dream, dream bigger. But I, I really believe that the, the Spirit is saying to me, uh, you can work on all kinds of logistical ideas and creative ideas for this, that, and the other thing, but really it comes down to, are you willing to die to yourself? I mean, that's, that's it. That's Discipleship 101, and that will carry over way beyond discussions of stewardship. That will carry over literally to every place that Jesus is saying, I want to be number one in your life. So that's it. Hey, let's stand together. And team, you're going to lead us in a, a beautiful song and uh, it focuses on Jesus, you know, because this is when it's all said and done. What are we about? We're about the, 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 the kingdom and we're about the worthiness of Jesus to receive our praise. So um, let me pray for you and then I'll get off the platform and we'll close this up. Jesus, we are thankful for all that you have given us. So help us to steward it well. And we are grateful for the undeserved favor and grace that we walk in every day. So help us to be generous and gracious. And Lord, help us to die to self because we acknowledge my old nature is not going to get me into a Christ-like space. That's it. So I give myself to you, Lord. I actually had this thought before we... Uh, started the message today. Wouldn't it be awesome if somebody gave their heart to Jesus today saying, I need to die to self? Because that's what we do when we give our heart to Jesus. We die to self. That'd be awesome. And then people are going to ask you, what was the pastor talking about uh, when you gave your heart to Jesus? And you're going to say, weirdly, uh, he was talking about money. But it's so much more than that. So Lord, help us to die to self. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.